Staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening. Your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. And uh, let me read it again. We've already had it read once, but it says, if you have it, you can read it with me too. It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Praise God. Now, we're going to talk today, we're starting a new series today entitled Call to Press Beyond the Limits. Call to Press Beyond the Limits. Come on, say that with me. Call to Press Beyond the Limits. You know, one of the things I love about Christianity is it is a never-ending wellspring of more. Of more. Anybody in Christianity, I don't care who they are, if they think they have arrived, then they are sadly mistaken. Because there is always more to the depths of God and the depths of Jesus Christ that is available to us. And the only question is whether we are willing to go after it. Whether we are willing to reach for it. Whether we are willing to seek it. You know, Christianity was never meant to be a mundane church attendance every Sunday and Wednesday and that's all there is to it and fulfill your obligation and thank God I got that done. Christianity is supposed to be a supernatural union with the almighty God that opens up doors for us, that causes things to happen in our lives, that, that lets us know we're not just living on this earthly dimension, we're also living on a dimension with God that allows him to move and work in our lives and do things that we'll never be able to do on our own. And that's what Christians need to understand. There is more that is available than what you've got, amen? There's much, much more available than what you've got. Look, it says, to him who was able to do the exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Now notice, it didn't say to him who was able to do above what we ask or think. That would be enough, wouldn't it? I mean, you would think. But no, it says to him who was able to do the exceedingly. And then you stop there with it, uh, uh, exceedingly. Say exceedingly and abundantly above what you ask or think. In other words, God's ability transcends your ability to think about the things that God wants to do for you. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for them that love him, but God has revealed it unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. What does God say? I got more for you than you know. I've got more for you than you've dealt with, more for you than you've seen, more for you than you've confronted, more for you than you've reached for. Jeremiah 33.3 says, one of my favorite passages says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things, which what? Which you do not know. You don't, you don't even have any grasp of what I'm capable of doing in your life. God wants to do greater things for us than what we are receiving, what we are experiencing right now. But we've got to want it. We've got to reach for it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Look, the challenge is always, well, Bishop, how do I get it? Now, you know, I guess there's some people say, yeah, right, that's nice. But I tell you, my, my attitude is, Lord, I want, I want it. I want more because I know more is available. Amen? Amen. Amen. Proverbs chapter 25 
verse 2. You can go there. Uh, notice what it says. Notice what it says. It says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is the glory of kings to search out a matter. Now look, that word kings doesn't mean just kings in terms of earthly royalty. Because we know that there are kings in the earth who don't have a clue. It's talking about the royal family of almighty God. That's what it's getting at. The word there means it means those who are in authority, those whom God has lifted up, those whom God has touched, those whom God has endowed, said it is the glory of God for them to be able to seek out the matters that God provides for them. They say, well, when, why does God make it uh, a concealed matter? He's not concealing it from you. He's concealing it for you. He's concealing it for you. Now, how many of you would want to give uh, $10,000 to your child and go say, uh, I left it on the corner of Battlefield and Volvo. You can pick it up. It's sitting out there on the corner. Well, you know, you'd be a fool to do that because <laughs> you know what's going to happen. Somebody's going to come along and get it. And, and, and look, the person who comes along and gets it, not only is not going to be your child and not deserving of it, but you don't know what they'll do with it. God wants his wisdom to be available to his children, not to the world, because he knows the world doesn't want it, and to the extent that they want it, they don't want it for his purposes. That's why Jesus said, without a parable, he wouldn't speak to them. Why? He said, because their hearts were not right. And he knew that the hearts of those who were right would do what? They would seek what he meant. So, Lord, what, what does this mean? We want to understand that. Amen. And the hearts of those who weren't right said, we ain't following him. We don't know what he's talking about. And he said, fine, see ya. It was a matter of the heart, amen? God wasn't trying to hide anything from his people. He was trying to make things available to his people that he knew didn't need to be made available to the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now that word search out in that scripture, it means to examine intimately, to find out what is hidden or to penetrate beneath the surface. Most Christians read the scripture superficially. They only see the surface. Now, don't get me wrong. People can, you know, try to get all deep and read all kinds of stupid, crazy things in the scripture and that are not there and twist it. I'm not talking about that. The Bible, though, says if our gospel is hidden, it is hidden to them that are lost. In other words, lost people can't find what's right in it. Say, but for, the, for us, we, don't, we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty whereby people lie and wait to deceive. We're trying to discover the truth of what God is saying to us, amen? Amen, for the purpose of what? Glorifying him. You know, I said not too long ago in a talk I gave, you know, there are a lot, of, in fact, it was Wednesday night actually, you know, a lot of uh, so-called uh, new age leaders, they will take scriptures and twist them and make them what they want them to mean. They want to have the wisdom of scripture separate apart from the power of God. In other words, they don't want God involved, but they want the principles that they find there. That won't work. Look, you'll find motivational speakers who don't know anything about God telling people they ought to tithe. You know why? Because they know that the principle of give and it shall be given to you works, but they're not interested in serving God. So you see what I'm getting at? Amen. God has not hidden his wisdom from you. He's hidden it for you, but you've got to want it. Now, what does it take to want it? What does it take to get it? 
What does it take to get beyond where you are now? Let me give you four things. Are you all with me now? Let me give you four things. Here's number one, insight. Insight. Meaning what? You can't go after what you don't know is there. If you believe that, you know, this is all there is, that's all you get. If you don't have any insight that there's more available to you than what you have experienced, then you'll stop right where you are. You will never make progress beyond where you can see to go. Come on here. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? Amen. Amen. Look, if you are convinced that there's a wall in front of you, I don't care whether there's a wall or not, guess what? That's where you stop. You all heard about the experiment that they've done with fleas. They put fleas in a jar and put a cover on the jar and leave the fleas there for a day or two. And the fleas jump and they keep hitting the top of the jar, hitting the top of the jar. And then after a while, they start jumping to within a half inch or so of the top of the jar. Then you take the top off and they won't jump out. They won't jump out. They're convinced that there's a limit and they've now made it internalized. It's internalized and, that's, and they'll stay right there. Human beings are the same way. Once they become convinced that they've reached the limit, they, we, they won't even try to go any further. See, the glass ceilings in life are not out there, they're in here. This is where the glass ceiling is. Well, you know, I mean, I, I'm going as far as I can go. Amen? No, that's not true. Not in God. You haven't gone as far as you can go. Remember, the queen of Sheba came and visited with Solomon, and she had heard all this stuff about Solomon, how wet wise he was, how great he was. And you know, the Bible says, and we, you know, some of us, I think, maybe a little loosely, says her spirit left her. And you know, that can be loosely interpreted to mean she saw Solomon, all he had just fell out, fainted, <laughs> just fainted. But the Bible says that when she saw, not his riches, not his wealth, said, but when she saw the greatness of his wisdom, she confessed, she said, the greatness of your wisdom, she said, of it the half has never been told. She said, wow, there's more than I even thought there was, saints. There's more than we think there is. <laughs> Amen. There's more available to us. you got to know that you're called, though, to press beyond the limits. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, pressing forward unto those things which are before. He said what? I press toward the mark of the high, pro high calling of God that is in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul was a powerful, deep Christian. I mean, Paul was amazing. I mean, the things that God revealed to him. And here, here the apostle Paul is saying, but I'm pressing. Well, I'll tell you what, if Paul was pressing, I think you and I probably need to press. Because I don't think any of us stands uh, at, at, at Paul's level in terms of our understanding of spiritual things because we're still learning from the things that Paul wrote. Amen? Amen, amen. So insight. Here's the second thing. Intensity. Intensity. You know, for some people, the longer they are Christians, the more lackadaisical they become. The longer they are Christians, the more it's just, hey, yeah. just kind of take it for granted. It is what it is. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I told you all, when I got saved in Harvard Law School, I mean, I got, when I went back, and, and was letting people know that I had come to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I had people who were in my class be saying to me, yeah, I'm a Christian too. And I'm saying, really? Well, where were you? I mean, because here I was trying to find my way to God, and there was nobody around me suggesting anything about God. 
Nobody saying, let's pray. Nobody saying, can I pray for you? And then all of a sudden, they were all coming out of the woodworks because I had outed them. You know, here's this guy running around talking about Jesus. And, and of course, I love the Lord, too. And then suddenly, Christians began to emerge. I'm told now, and I'm not taking credit for this by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm told now by one of my, uh, a, a guy that I met up in Northern Virginia who also graduated from the law school later, uh, I'm told, he said, there's now a vibrant Christian fellowship at Harvard Law School. There was not one when I, when I was there. But he said, there is one now. Now, I don't know to what extent the Lord used me to do it, but I know one thing. There was a whole lot of folks who came out of the closet as Christians when I started running around talking about Jesus. But you shouldn't need somebody else to make you feel ashamed <laughs> that, you, that you're not acknowledging your Christianity. Amen? Amen. There should be some intensity about it that ought to last until the day you leave this earth. And, and that, I think that's part of the problem Church has become, Christianity has become churchianity, where it's merely a go-to-church experience, and that's that, and then, you know, then I go and I live the rest of my life. And there's no sense of intensity about the things of God. You know, everybody in the Bible who accomplished great things for God, they were intense about it. I mean, look, Elijah told Ahab, you go bring the prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel. Let's see whose God is God. I mean, he was not playing around. And then he said to the people, and I can imagine he didn't get many amens, and he said to the people, how long do you all halt or vacillate or gyrate or, or, or straddle between two opinions? He said, if God is God, serve him. He said, but if Baal is God, he said, why don't you just go and serve him and stop trying to play both sides of the fence? He said, but we're going to see today whose God is God. And when he, when, 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 when he put that a sacrifice on that altar and, and doused that sacrifice with water. And the prophets of Baal, you know, they had put the same thing out there and they didn't have doused theirs with, with water. They, theirs was dry and they are cutting themselves and they're calling on Baal and Baal ain't showed up yet. I got news for you. He's not going to show up. I, and I got news for you. Allah's not going to show up either. Amen. Buddha's not going to show up. Hare Krishna's not going to show up. Amen. Amen. The Bhagavad Gavita, whoever. You name the little idol gods that people come up with, none of them are going to show up, but our God's going to show up. Amen. He's going to show up and show up. And he said, let the God who answers by fire, he's God. And he began to call on God. He said, show these folks who you are. That fire came down and licked up that sacrifice. And then all the people said, oh, God, he is God. <laughs> Amen. They had an epiphany. <laughs> Amen. They had a moment of clarity. Praise God. But, but saints, we need to demonstrate to a lost and dying world the reality of who God is. And it takes some intensity to do that. Amen? Amen. Amen. That woman, if you have never seen the story, we'll bring it and show it in church sometime. A video about a woman whose husband died. I showed it here years ago. Uh, this is a true story. Uh, her husband died in Africa in an automobile accident. The, um, the steering wheel crushed his chest. And they buried him. His wife went to the morgue and told the, 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 the funeral director, I can't lose my husband. God's going to raise my husband from the dead. And the funeral director said, lady, your husband's been embalmed. Now you need to leave here. She said, I ain't leaving here. She said, my husband's going to be raised from the dead. He said, miss, you got to go. She hounded that man all weekend. Reinhard Bakke was coming 
to uh, uh, an evangelistic crusade, she finally went to the man and said, well, look, let me do this. Let me have the body for the service on Sunday. I'll take him to the church. God's going to raise him from the dead. The man said, look, woman, just to get you off my back. Okay, come get him. She organized some guys to come get the body, got to the church, and the people looked up at the, at the door of the church, and here she come with a casket, and they said, excuse, excuse me, where are you going? She said, this is my husband. He's dead, but he's going to be raised from the dead today. They said, woman, you ain't coming in here. <laughs> You're not coming in here with that body. And she said, he, I got, you got to let me bring him in. You know what they said? Now, listen to this. This is religion. Well, if God's going to raise him from the dead, he'll raise him from the dead out there just like he will in here. And she said, no, 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 no. God spoke to me. I know what God, God wants me to bring him in there. And finally, they relent. They say, let this woman, they said, take her down in the basement. <laughs> You know, and get out of here. And so they took the woman down in the basement. And Reinhard Bonnke is up there preaching, not knowing that the dead man was down there laying in a casket. And Reinhard Bonnke was preaching about resurrection. And he said, in the name, he said, in the name of Jesus, rise up! And said, when he said that, that man, and said, everybody down there went crazy and started running out of there. They didn't know what to do. They, they were half scared. They didn't know what to do. But that man started breathing. And a couple of men who had their wits about them said, he's breathing. He's alive. Said, yeah, he's alive. Said, but he still felt stiff like a dead body. Said, his body still felt hard. And they said, well, well, just massage him. Just massage him. And they said they started massaging him. They started massaging him, his whole, whole body. And he said, body started to soften up and get warm. Finally, he sat up. Said, and up, the, the pastor said, he said I, I forget the phrase. He, oh, you know what he said? He said, it was holy pandemonium in here. He said, because the word went around, there's a man downstairs been raised from the dead. How'd that happen? Intensity. His wife refused to take no for an answer. Amen? Amen. I'll tell you something. Before I leave it, I want to see some dead folk raised up. Amen. I want to see, I've seen cancer healed. I, I've seen God do miraculous healing. I want to see more of that. Amen. Glory to God. I know God hasn't changed. Amen. Amen. It's just his people have gotten lackadaisical. Amen. The reason why you have more miracles like that in places like Africa and some of the more remote areas of Asia is where else are they going to go? Amen. Here we're educated and scientific. <laughs> and we know the coroner has already had his say. It's over. They're, they're, not, they're not sophisticated. Look, they can't go, you know, they can't pick up the phone and call the specialist and make an appointment. Man, if God doesn't heal me, I'm done. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Intensity. And third, there's got to be a willingness to pursue. A willingness to pursue. You've got to be willing to run after the things of God. Amen. Amen. I mean, think about that. That's why I get up at 5.30 in the morning even when I'm tired because I'm pursuing something. I'm pursuing something. I, I, I want what God has for me. Amen. Say, so, well, well, you know, God will give it to you anyway. I'm going to teach you about that because that's a misnomer. Well, God, or he, whatever God's going to do, he's going to do. That's not true. That's biblically wrong. The Bible says God rewards those who what? Diligently. Seek him, which means obviously he doesn't reward those who don't diligently seek him. In other words, there's a difference. 
If there's not, what is the point of having 530 a.m. prayer? What's the point of praying? Forget about it. It's not going to make any difference. We see, you know, this is the sort of crazy stuff people get in their heads. But you just have to think about that a little bit and realize how wrong that is. That woman whose husband was raised from the dead, would he still be dead if she'd not done what she did? God honored her intense commitment and he honored her pursuit. Amen? Amen. Amen. I don't care what your need is, what your desire is. Are you willing to pursue God? You know, Jesus told a story about the woman, the parable about the woman who went to the unjust judge and kept knocking, kept knocking. Hey, hey, come on, my adversary, you got to give me justice. He said the man didn't fear God and, and didn't care about people and wouldn't say, a young woman, get out of my face. said, but because she wouldn't quit, she kept pursuing him. He finally said, all right, woman, all right, and gave her what she asked for. And, and Jesus said, if an unjust judge will do that, Say, how much more will your heavenly father do things for you if you cry day and night to him? Hallelujah. He's not unjust. He said, and even an unjust judge will say, okay, okay. Say, but if God is just, he'll, he'll, he'll respond. Jesus said, he'll respond speedily. And that's that parable. I think it's in Luke chapter 11. That's the one where he says, and yet, and yet. When Jesus comes, will he find faith on the earth? He said, here's the promise, and yet when I come, will I find the faith to bring these things to pass? That's what I want, amen? Amen. 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 I, I, when I, when, look, when Jesus comes either for me or comes for all of us as a church, I want him to say, son, I, I, I gave you faith, and you just built on it and, and, and worked it and, and pushed it and, and did everything you could do with it to bring about the results that you were seeking. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And then here's the fourth thing. Persistence. See, it's not that you ain't good to be intense to, be, to, to pursue and quit. You got to persist. You got to persist. You can't quit. You can't give up. Amen. Look, if you think that you're going to get the same results by trying it for a while and then quitting, you, you, are, you are so sad. Well, if God was going to do it, he'd have done it by now. How do you know that? He might have been waiting for you to just hold on for that last moment in order to get that breakthrough. That famine that uh, Deacon Spence read about this morning, that, that famine that came on the land that had that widow at Zarephath about to eat a little cake and, uh, uh, and, and, and cook a little something and feed it to her son or herself and die, that famine was ordained by God, but God gave Elijah the authority to prophesy that famine. And then he gave Elijah the authority to say that the famine was going to end. Because he told Ahab, he said, get down. He said, because I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. But you know when he heard it? He went up on Mount Carmel and he prayed. Bible says he put his head between his legs, got down up on Mount Carmel and prayed, and then told his servant, go look over the side of that cliff. See if you see anything. He said, he went and looked. He said, nope, I don't see a thing. He said, he got down and prayed some more. He said, and he did that six times. He said, go look. You see anything? He said, nope. Now, what if Elijah had quit then? Now, you think about that. Say, well, God would have done it anyway. No, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. You know what he'd have done? He'd have come right back to Elijah and said, what you quit for? 
I told you what I want to do. Now, now work with me here. Because we've talked about this before. God uses the authority that he's given mankind to do things in the earth. I mean, look, why did God use Elijah at all? Why did he just say famine and then say, okay, end of famine? No, he didn't do it that way. Why did he use a man? You declare famine. And then use a man, now you declare it's in. Because he's using the authority of mankind, which he gave us. If you don't invite him in and you don't give him your authority in the earth, he'll step back and let you flounder. He loves you. He cares about you. But he wants you to be the vessel through whom he works. And on that seventh time, he told, he said, now go look again. See, <laughs> so he looked. He said, I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. Elijah said, okay, let's go. <laughs> let's go. It's over. We got it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We got it now. But see how he would not quit. He was persistent in seeking God. And you see this again and again and again in Scripture. One of those widows that Elijah dealt with when he had a son, she had a son that died, and Elijah got on him and, and, uh, and told, well, actually told the servant, he said, you go, lay the stick on him. Lay the stick on him, got no results. He said, got on him and breathed on him. Got no results. Kept, and he would not quit. He would not quit until that boy breathed. Then he handed him back to his mother. Amen. 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 I think a lot of times we, we saints of God fail to have all that God wants us to have because we quit. We quit. What if Jesus had quit on the cross? He said he could. said he had that authority. He said, I could call 12 legions of angels right now by simply praying to my father. He said, but then how would the scripture be fulfilled? He wouldn't quit. Amen. Amen. They called him everything but a child of God, slapped him, spit on him, beat him. Uh, hit him with a cat of nine tails till his body looked like a bloody, pulpy mess, and he wouldn't quit. He would not quit. First thing he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He would not quit. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? And, and think about this. He was stepping into unknown territory because he did not know the experience of death. How could he? He was God come in the flesh, he was an eternal man who had no sin in him. He knew nothing about death, but he was willing to step right into that territory for you and for me. Glory to God. Go right into the bowels of the earth for you and for me. Go right into the depths of hell for you and for me. Amen? Amen. Amen. You cannot quit. You've got to persist. When you know it's based on the promises of God, you've got to keep going for it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, now look, three things that you need to do with this, this mindset of these four principles I've given you. You've got to have insight. You've got to have in, uh, 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 intensity. You've got to, to uh, pursue and you've got to be persistent. And you've got to do this in prayer. You've got to do this in prayer. Go to uh, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse 7 first. It says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Is that what it says? Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, 
and it will be open to you. Now, there's a three-step process there that suggests all these things. You don't just ask, you seek. You don't just seek, you knock. In other words, you're looking for where, where is that door of opportunity? Where is that, uh, where is that breakthrough that God has for me? Amen?